I'm Leslie Torres. And I'm Bronna Marks. And together we co-host West Coast Mix and Bounce. For all things West Coast NBA. That's right. We cover the Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and yes, the Kings and the Suns. When there's something good to talk about. We have a new and fun episode every two weeks where we break down the craziest headlines in the NBA that pertain to the West Coast teams. We are such a niche podcast that you won't find anywhere else. I mean, two girls with experience in the field talking West Coast basketball. Um, yeah, you want to listen. This is West Coast Mix and Bounce brought to you by LAFB Network. Welcome back to another episode of West Coast Mix and Bounce. It's been a short while since the last time we recorded. I think since the last time the Lakers were still in the playoffs. But (laughs) now we have our Western Conference final teams, which happens to be two of our um, teams in our division. So we have the Phoenix Suns and the Clippers. So for today's episode, I think we're just going to go back and just review the results of the playoffs our opinions on kind of what went down, what we think the Lakers need to fix since they're the only ones that are out. And also, I think we're going to touch on the projections on the Suns and the Clippers, who is going to win, what we think. But before we get into all of that, let's just jump back to the Suns-Lakers series where we kind of left off. The series was tied 2-2. and We had a lot of opinions on what the Lakers were doing wrong, what the Suns were doing right. And I think in the end of it, it just kind of all went really ugly for the Lakers. Right, Prana? Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. It went ugly. Um, You know, injuries have been proding at them the whole season, all the way through um, until the postseason. And I think it just honestly just caught up with them. AD went down. Um, he, he tried to come back, you know, that, that last game to try to push a game seven, but uh, he played maybe a few seconds before he had to sit out, uh, which was really brave of him, but also stupid because it's like, sir, you know you're hurt. Like, mm-hmm. just relax. Like, try again next year. LeBron just couldn't carry the team on his back this year. He didn't really have anybody any other supporting cast member help, I feel like, to help him. And then you know, the Suns were at full caliber. This was when, um, I believe Chris Paul was back in the lineup, yep. right? Yes. Correct. Yeah. So he came back, he was looking healthier and, uh, yeah, he, he just helped. And, and then obviously Booker court scored 47 points in game six. So it's just kind of like without that defensive, um, that defensive caliber we always talked about as as AD is, and then the fact that they weren't shooting well from the three-point line, and mm-hmm. when you're not shooting well against another really great shooting team, you know, you're just going to get outplayed. So uh, what do you think the Lakers have to do to, to come back stronger next year? Bad, but they had their defense just crumbled. If their offense was not working, the Lakers' defense crumbled, and so I think they need to be able to find shooters who are going to keep that momentum going, especially when you have KCP not playing well, when you have Anthony Davis mm-hmm. out, when you are having all these like little things happening, when the refs are not giving you the calls that are going your way, you need to get yourself out of that little that little bubble in a sense and 
the only way to do that is with a shooter and they didn't have any shooters and it was they shot horrible their offense was terrible their Uh defense then crumbled after that so i feel like definitely for sure shooters is on the top of my list yeah they need to find something besides ad right (laughs) yeah besides (laughs) anthony davis and lebron like they need a better supporting cast yeah and it's it's weird to kind of see how high they were you know uh last year in the bubble being able to win that championship under such crazy circumstances and then to come back this season and they look like almost a shell of themselves Mm -hmm. um with like you said the injuries and shooters not stepping up I'm I'm really sad because my expectation is that this team is probably going to look like a lot more different uh you know next season because Mm -hmm. I think there is some work they have to do because at the end of the day you don't want to put, you know, 100% of the expectation on your stars and then your stars get so tired and so worn out that they have injuries and et cetera. And then you go on like, you know, a 10 game losing streak mm-hmm. in the middle of the season. And, you know, they, they shouldn't have that kind of um, like big uh, change between one a player being off and another player being on, so to speak. Like there should be some sense of consistency or if there, if this person's out, then I'm going to step up because as we're going to get into the Suns, they experienced some injuries and some mishaps and people yep. being out of the lineup, but they were able to rebound from that. They already knew like, oh, if this person's out, this person is a person that's going to step up into that position, period. They already knew that. And I feel like for the Lakers, they didn't really focus on that this year. They were just like, oh, our stars will be fine. Like, we'll make it through. We're the defending champs, yada, yada, yada. And it was like, no, that's not what happened. But then the, the other interesting thing to look at is that both teams, that were in the finals last year um, got eliminated in the first round, the Mm -hmm. Lakers and the Heat. From one end of the season to the other end of the season, to the beginning of the next season, they only had 70 days of rest, Mm -hmm. which is like, what? (laughs) Um, So you could tell they, they were tired. They were fatigued. It was a weird jump from one season to another. LeBron came out and obviously gave his opinion on all the injuries that were happening this postseason so I think that also played a big part oh yeah that was a huge role it's like how are the Heat and the Lakers going to be eliminated in the first round when they're like coming in to defend whatever happened last season and it was definitely the lack of rest I think and um but it was also I think you they already knew they were not going to be that well rested and like you mentioned before they kind of like, we'll be okay. They had that we'll be okay mentality instead of being like laser focused on what they needed to be. And yeah. that's something that the Suns kind of came in knowing and they took advantage of that. Because like you said, the injuries happened, they rebounded. Um, Chris Paul was out. They the Everything that's been happening, at least this series, they have been able to adjust and modify accordingly and that's something that the Lakers didn't do and um that is what's going right for the Suns as they continue all this way because I mean now they're without Chris Paul because of the protocol and they still managed to go 2-0 with him you know I mean without him but um yeah I think a lot has been going right for the Suns for sure without having Anthony Davis uh 
with the Lakers. That was definitely a, a big game changer, I think, for the Suns. But they adapted to that. You know, DeAndre Aiden has been amazing. I'm mm -hmm. I'm not gonna repeat myself for like the millionth time, but I'm just so <laughs> impressed, so impressed. No, we all are. We all are. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to it once we get to the Western Conference um, kind of review. But it's also been like a team effort, and it's every man mm -hmm. is stepping up, especially when there's somebody out, and it you can really tell that they've been sticking together with the pressure of the series that they've been in. Maybe it's not the Nuggets one. That one looked too easy for them. But they really mm -hmm. stuck together, you know. And at times, they got chippy, and they still managed to hold themselves as a team. Chris Paul went down in that series, and there was, like, uncertainty whether he would return or not or the gravity of the injury. And the Suns still kept it together. So I think they're just really focused, and they really, really want this. And that's probably the difference that kind of the Lakers lost out. They were not that focused and there was too much happening around them for yeah. them to even get any sense of chemistry, any sense of order. And the Suns deserve that win for sure. Yeah, I definitely, I give it to them. Uh, I think what also speaks volumes to the fact that they, they really earned it is that LeBron gave his final number 23 jersey to Booker at the end of that game. Um, he'll now be like wearing number six mm -hmm. for next season. So it was kind of like an ode, I feel like, to the young talent that's emerging. Because despite the fact there has been a lot of injuries, a lot of stars have been out, a lot of teams that you expect to go further didn't go as far mm -hmm. um but we're seeing we're really seeing the next generation of stars you know Devin Booker has been working his butt off to get here and I saw something on social media that was like Booker must be like surprised at how easy it is to get through the playoffs like this is what I've been waiting for my whole life <laughs> um because he's really been dominating it's really it's, yes it's, it's scary almost in a way um, to see the Suns, like we said, people keep repeating it, including us, that two years ago, they were the second to worst team in the league, mm -hmm. like in the whole league. They were so terrible. Um, and to see that within 365 days times two, that they're all of a sudden like a championship caliber team, it, it, it literally can happen overnight if you have the right pieces around you and if you have the right like supporting staff because monty williams is an amazing coach like amazing. wow yep um like you said we'll get even deeper into that <laughs> once we jump into the western conference finals because there were some plays i was like oh my god i'm about to lose my heart but just to prove the fact um that the suns have been working overtime is the fact that they they swept Denver. I was honestly surprised because, you know, we watched Denver be a top three, top four team this whole season. Pretty good. They had a pretty um, stout uh, rivalry, I guess, with the Suns. Mm -hmm. And then when they get to the playoffs, they were like, all right, we pulling out the broom. And I was like, wait, hold up. <laughs> um, and th they, they, don they dominated them. I think because Denver didn't, in the end, they didn't also have all of their star power. Mm -hmm. uh, Jamal Murray was out. And I, I think within their last, um, in the first round, they felt like, oh, we can do this. Like, we, we totally got this. And then they got to a team that's like 100% healthy. And I was like, wait a minute, uh, I don't think we can do this. <laughs> um, you know, just for example, four four out of five starters for the Suns, and, and just game one, 
scored 20 plus points mm -hmm. that's a lot wow. for the starting yeah. lineup where is the defense <laughs> exactly where is the defense like why can't y'all uh slow this team down and what does that look like chris ball he came back healthier because he had kind of started a few games in the postseason yep. and you could tell that he was like you know like a little off still lagging um he was mostly focused on his uh assists more than his his points and when he came into that series he was focused on both yep. <laughs> um and he really made a huge difference for them uh at the end like you know jokic mvp granted he's still an amazing player mm -hmm. um he he just couldn't fill the hole he couldn't put the game um he couldn't put that series on his back the way that i think denver maybe expected him to yeah um and at the end like their defense just their defense just deflated <laughs> yeah after they went three and no i was like wait are they really gonna sweep because i i honestly i thought Jokic had a little bit more in him at least one game but oh. that just gives me the props to the Suns and Chris Paul because, like you mentioned, he came out there and he I think he averaged 25 points per game in that series. He had 10 assists, so he was like, I'm back. I feel healthy. He was ready to go. And so, I mean, it just gives more credit to the Suns that they fought in the first round, swept the second round, and now they're on the Western Conference Finals looking to get like that win they really want it they're really focused definitely yeah definitely and getting to the western conference finals this the the first time in uh in a, either a very long time <laughs> um and you have both teams the the clippers mm -hmm. and the Suns on both sides like it's been forever since they could get this far into the postseason and um we could jump right into what the suns have been doing on, on their side within the Western Conference Finals, um, game one. Let's just break that oh, down. Game one. Well, I think we'll see P3. Chris Paul has been kind of a little variable in this series because he's out, he's in, and then he was out again due to COVID regulations. Mm -hmm. But Booker said, that's fine. We don't have Chris Paul. He went and got himself his first career triple-double with 40 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. Let me remind you guys that the Suns won game one <laughs> without yes. Chris Paul. So Booker definitely took the weight of the pressure and he delivered. They won 120-14. So the Clippers were right there. Like, they were there. They just didn't have enough. And honestly, since we'll, we'll back up a little bit, but um, the Clippers beat Utah 4-2 to without mm -hmm. Kawhi in the last two games, right? So Kawhi has been out with a sprained ankle or knee? Knee, I think. Knee, knee. Okay. He's been out with a sprained knee. So, I mean, much credit to the Clippers as well. Winning without Kawhi Leonard, who's been amazing. And uh -huh. now winning another game against the Suns in game three. But let's go back to game one. So, Paul George, just imagine all this is going on in his head. No Kawhi. He has to take the pressure of the whole team on him. He had a great game. Let's not lie. Game one was okay. He finished with 34 points. He helped the Clippers go on some runs, but he's just not at that superstar level yet. That way that Kawhi has been, at least for my liking, especially right now if they really want to go to the finals, I think Paul George has to be a little bit better. Game one, 
DeAndre Aiden was again so solid, so consistent, 20 points, 9 rebounds. Like I might be his new fan because <laughs> the way I speak of Aiden, it's just like I'm honestly so impressed because he was just a rookie two years ago, so close to being called a bust, I think, by NBA fans. And so yeah. he's definitely been turning it around. And then we have also Cousins, who in Game 1 has finally entered some kind of momentum. He was hot in the second quarter with 11 points in just 5 minutes. So he might be needed more in the rotation. Let's see what Ty Lue does. And, um, but Game 1, I think, went well for the Suns. They were able to kind of control part George, but I feel like it was mostly more on George himself. And Booker just had no trouble without Chris Paul. He's like, no Chris Paul, no problem. And so I think it was a great win and definitely set the momentum. What do you think that the Clippers changed in order to at least win game three? The fact that Ty Lue has been very unconventional with his lineups. (laughs) Um, He seems to, I feel like every single series, he's like, okay, I'm going to switch this position up or I'm going to switch this player out. Uh, for the lineup and and continue on different momentum Um, because if we could just look back for a second versus Dallas um I didn't think they were gonna make it out of that series me neither (laughs) I was so shocked uh this is the third time that they fell behind 0-2 and what makes me question that is that how long are they going to be able to keep that momentum having to come mm. all the way back? You know, to be down 0-2 is a, is, is a deficit. It, it, they've made it pass, but it's just like how many series can you go and you have to like win four in a row or you have to win three in a row or, you know, like that momentum change can be, can take a toll. It could be very exhausting. And I think that's where they kind of lost Kawhi, um, mm. where his injury, cause he was playing really hard. He averaged over 30 points in the series against Dallas. Um, they were able to shut down Luca. That was one of our talking points yep. that we referenced that if they wanted to get past the Mavs, that they have to shut down Luca, because he was scoring like 35, 40 points. Uh, and if there's no defense against that, the best player who's who's co- basically controlling the floor, you know, how are you going to get the rest of the team to kind of like level down and you're able to jump ahead of them? Um, Paul George also, he stepped up. I mean, he has a little pandemic P moment, but we'll talk <laughs> about that. Um, but for the most part, he has been playoff P, averaging 20 semi-points just throughout um, throughout the entire postseason. Uh, they were able to shut down the Jazz, which I thought, again, I didn't think they were going to get past them. They also fell back again, um, 0-2. So, and then they were able to come back, but they had to win four in a row. And you could tell that they were tired. Yeah. I think they're definitely tired. And I wonder, you know, you say like, oh, they might get, you know, starting 0-2, they might get tired. I'm like, I don't, is that what they're doing? Like, I don't, I don't get it, you know? I don't get it. Yeah. But I feel like maybe they don't have the confidence in the first two games and then somehow something changes. I yeah. don't know. But whatever it is, it's working for them. And I think at least for the Clippers-Mavs, what went right for the Clippers was definitely Kawhi. 
he uh-huh. is I think he's the main reason why they even got out of that first round because it was looking not great for them at all. And then uh-huh. something clicked with Kawhi and then he was the one putting all the weight of the pressure of the game on his shoulders. He averaged 32 points, shooting 61% from the field like he was like, if there could have been any more perfect, they would have been more perfect. And like you mentioned as well, they they did what they, um, what we kind of suggested. Like, you have to kind of wear down Luka, and they did. They run it all the way to game seven. No, not game seven. Yeah. Yeah, game seven. Oh, yeah, that was the Jazz. Um, yeah, they run it all the way down to game seven. And, I mean, Luka cannot do everything by himself, and that was the point, and they did it. You also mentioned um, loose like lineup changes. I'm with you. He made the right moves. He moved in Batum into the lineup. He also started Reggie Jackson, which boosted their shooting. And Reggie Jackson has been kind of like super great for the Clippers. Yes. So I feel like he gave them the opportunity. Jackson took it, and now he's just controlling the Clippers as well, or at least being that next man up for their kind of mentality that they have. And same thing with the Jazz. They allowed, um, they um, they got the win without Kawhi in the last two games. Um, Paul George has been asked to step up, which has kind of been there. Not at the Kawhi level, I think, that we kind of expect him to be at. But he's there. And it's really yeah. that second unit that has maintained the Clippers competitive. Like Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson... Batum, Zubats, I feel like, be- but because of Ty Lue's lack of fear, I w- I'm going to say like that, because I feel like sometimes coaches don't want to change lineups just because they're scared. If they lose, yeah. the blame's going to go on them. And Lou has kind of been relentless. He's like, I'm going to make these changes, and it's worked out. And he, and even if they're playing well, like he's still been moving the lineups around. So I feel like it goes a lot to Paul George of um, keeping the pressure on. The Clippers, that second unit, and Tyloo, they're like really working well. And I feel like that's why they beat the number one team, the Jazz, in the second round, which I was super impressed by. Yeah, that, that was like, I was hurt because remember I said the last episode, I was like, I don't think anybody's going to get by the, by the <laughs> Jazz. And I was like, Psh, okay, like foot in my mouth. <laughs> um, but again, uh, just to emphasize, Tyloo has taken the time, and he's been doing this all season, right? The, mm-hmm. the whole like, small ball lineup versus putting in the big men first. Um, and he, he's, he's such an intelligent coach too. the fact that he is fearless. Like you said, that he wants his players to figure out how to play different ways against different teams. And at the end of the day, that's really what it takes, mm-hmm. right? Is that you have to lose your entire caliber of a team to make it to the top really, because that's what a team is all about, right? They, they all have to know how to play each other, play off of each other, right. depending on um, what the other team's strengths and weaknesses are. And those young guys that stepped up, like Reggie Jackson has kind of been their, their third man up in a way. Um, and referencing back to the Lakers, I feel like they didn't have that definite, like who's the third or the fourth man up if so-and-so is out. Or, or one of our stars is out. And it was just kind of like when Kwai went down, the whole team was like, all right, guys, like, mm-hmm. we all got to do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because when you have Kwai who is averaging 30-plus points, that is a lot of um, scoring. And granted, he also plays solid defense to take out of the lineup and then expect to play 
top, top teams. Um, so to see that uh, Reggie Jackson and um, Terrence Mann especially is like, wow, he, he has mm-hmm. such a story. Uh, just alone, game six against the Jazz, 39 points. Mm-hmm. I was like, so people were like, who the heck is Terrence Mann? And I was oh. like, I don't know. but <laughs> He's making a name for himself for sure. Yes, he's definitely made a name for himself. Uh, he shot 15 of 21, 7 of 10 from Sheesh. the three-point line. Like, he he like, he like was like, yeah, I'm here, so what's up? He's a household <laughs> Clippers name now. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And when you think about it, even when we talked about the Clippers throughout the season, it was kind of like, okay, Paul, Paul George and Kawhi, Paul George and Kawhi. So, like, who is – that was our main question, like, who – who else is like their their game changer, or or who else can step up when when they're in like in a clutch moment or they mm-hmm. need that? And now we're seeing it. We're seeing it like full out, full screen, um, happening right in front of our eyes. And it's kind of like they saved all of this momentum, um, right when they needed it, really, uh, which is exactly right now. So I, I think that was really sneaky, uh, but I think it was really perfect how. It, how it worked out because now that we're in the Western Conference Finals and you're playing against a team like the Suns, Paul George called them a different caliber team. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you can tell that, you know, they're not they're not the same. You can't put them in the same boat as the Jazz or the Mavs because one of how far they've come and two, how they got here in the first place. Um, so just to run it back to game two, Valley Oop. Um, that was probably my best play like ever like my my favorite play ever you gotta say that again valley oop oh my god that is so great (laughs) yes they are i love it and all of that i'm like i need a t-shirt immediately (laughs) oh that's so good that is so good yeah it was i thought it was like an ugly game to start with like nobody was looking good and then towards the end like the fourth quarter i was like yes now we're in the playoffs. <laughs> but I mean, Seriously. that alley-oop to Aiden with... Aiden, oh my god. <laughs> he just His name is just in my mouth all the time. <laughs> but I mean, with, with 0.9 seconds left on the clock, it just shows, again, how he took on the responsibility of that play. The nerves didn't get to him. It was a huge win for a huge team for him as a player as well. I think... His relationship with Chris Paul and, like, you know, the passing and the little duo that they have going on is great. Him and Jay Crowder has also been great. So I just feel like, yes, that game was great for Aiden. Great play. Monty Williams is so smart. So smart. And, I mean, it was a close game. That was a close game. And I really thought the Clippers were going to take it. And I was going to be like, okay, great. Like, we have a series and stuff. But they didn't. But still... It was Paul George mm, missed. (laughs) (laughs) That pain, that I felt that. (laughs) He missed these crucial free throws, right? And so I feel like he was not prepared to be in that moment because he's usually an 85% free throw shooter. So he definitely was nervous, which is fine. But if they lose, it's going to come back down to these free throws. So it's not as fine, Um, especially coming from a player like him who's like almost a I think he should be considered a vet already should know the way around playoffs and series and stuff like that so he kind of did crumble under the pressure but I mean the Suns deserved that win they did it they 
they did that. I mean, in Cameron Payne as well, they had no answer for him. He did not just he did not care who was guarding him, what they were playing on defense. He was making no. all these shots. Finished with a career high, twenty nine points. Yes. I mean, it it was all just going for the Suns, and I think it's that what you mentioned. It's that ability to adjust that these both these teams have, which is going to make it a great series. Yeah, yeah, you like literally hit the the nail right on it. You um, said it. I just repeated it. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Um, but the the point about pain, I definitely want to oh. get into that too. That mm-hmm. he he literally came in for Chris Paul. He was the person that they looked to to fill exactly. that spot, and he filled it like he was like he had grown off of Chris Paul during the season. No it was like problem. I've been waiting for this. Like, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like he was writing down notes. He was taking notes with CP3 like the whole season to be like, how does this man play, and how can I? How can I? be that backup mm-hmm. to him if he needs me to because he played the same way you know he's he's very um all over the floor and he knows how to open up the floor as well to get you know double digit assists in these games and and that's when you look at Chris Ball that's what he does he's he's the person that opens up the floor that traditional guard role that's kind of influencing everybody and for the fact that Payne came in um, and executed it perfectly was like wow okay and I don't know if you heard Monty but um, I heard his um, uh, when he he called the play he was like he said to Aiden he was like all right if he throws it up you gotta like try to dunk it and he was like mad skeptical. He sounded nervous just calling the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the fact that the players took confidence took confidence in him yep. and that he drew it up and that they, you know, they executed it perfectly. It was kind of like, wow, like that is a system. That is a team. That's how it's supposed to work, you know? Yeah, nothing raises your confidence more than making like first being in that position to make that dunk or you know that alley-oop and then actually completing it like I if I was him I'd be like I'm the best player right now because I did that but like yeah right and it's a team effort too because if you watch the play back Booker actually sent set a screen for Aiden that left Zubak in the dust Mm. um, because Zubak has actually really been playing good defense against Aiden, Mm -hmm. but he was literally just like a half second late just because Booker set that screen. He knew exactly where he needed to be, which is also like, wow, that's that's basketball intelligence because you know what your teammate has been encountering this whole game. So how are you? You're not like directly involved in the play, but you're involved enough to know that you need to be here for this to actually happen. So for him to be smart in that manner off the ball is uh, is, is super clutch. But um, in game three, we saw a switch go off. <laughs> yeah, I mean... The, the Clippers, again, coming in 0-2, a familiar spot for them already. <laughs> they they surprisingly made it, um, you know, I think it's part of their story now. And if they don't get tired, it could be like, wow, like they went all the way to the finals going 0-2 in every series. Like, you know, so that could really be a story there if they make it, if they win the championship. We'll see. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, Chris Paul returned from his COVID protocol. He was a little bit rusty. He had 15 points, 12 assists. His shooting was not that great. He was 
5 of 19 from the field. So not the kind of Chris Paul we're used to seeing, especially uh-huh. when the Clippers um, win 106-92. And I think it was finally the game that Paul George have been wanting to have and that we've all been waiting for him to have. He played a game high 43 minutes, had 27 points, 15 rebounds, and 8 assists, and 6 of 7 from the free throw line. So, I mean, 27 points is not the, the most points he's ever had in the series or at least in the playoffs, but it's like him shooting less and being more of a team player kind of allowed him and everybody else to succeed. Uh-huh. And then, but also, like, it's it wasn't just him. Zubox, you have Man, you have Jackson. Zubox had 15 points, Man had 12, Jackson had 23. Yeah. Man was 6 of 8 from the field. He scored 8 points in the third quarter, you know, to help give the Clippers the lead, like, indefinitely for the rest of the game. So I think it was definitely a group effort, a team effort, and they were just not going to let them go, like, 0-3. Because if you go 0-3, it's definitely, like, done. I feel <laughs> so yeah, they it, it's definitely hard to come back from that yeah so they really wanted it they were focused and then um I think it was more of just circumstantial and their ability to adjust which the Clippers did well because you have Booker who was who got hurt last game in game two and then he had to come and play with the mask on with a broken nose you know how to get stitches so I mean you don't want to put the blame on that but Playing with a swollen, painful nose, even though you took painkillers, is just different, I think. Yeah. So I feel like they took advantage and they got the win as they should have. And um, unfortunately for the Suns, I feel like too much happened for them. I think pain went out, right, just after being four minutes in the game. Yeah. Um, Book had his broken nose. They just shot horribly. I think Paul and Booker combined for just 30 points on 10 for 40 on shooting. So was not good on yeah. offense i mean the, exactly and they had to i feel like cp3 returning to the lineup really slowed down the the momentum because mm. i feel like they were playing fastball those two games you know they had the granite chris ball is a little older <laughs> um so they had the younger guys in there and they were running the floor so when chris paul returned and he kind of came back to this um a little more laid back uh slow vibe it, it kind of messed up their uh, their offensive strategy, I feel like, against the Clippers. Yeah. And the Clippers, I feel like, took all the lessons they learned from the last two games and were able to execute perfectly. Like you said, the, the team effort was really just there. Um, and the defense was really there. Uh, and sadly, Payne went out, which was like... I think it was Booker said, or, or Aiton, somebody said that him going out really hurt them. Oh, yeah. Uh, and y- you could tell that it took uh, momentum out of, their, out of their lineup when he went out. Because it was like, dang, he had such a big impact these past few games. And now it's like, oh, he's hurt. We don't know what's going to go on, what's going to happen with that. So it's kind of like a question mark in their head. But you also have to give the Suns credit because they hadn't lost the game since they lost to the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, I think they were ninth street, right? And, yeah. Sheesh. So that's a big run. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, coming out 110% every night to get all those wins in a row also definitely affected them because they did look, the game was a little, you know, it was a little boring, honestly. That's a great point. That's a great point, yeah. It, 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 it seemed 
I don't know. It just seemed a little meh. They were <laughs> like, probably tired. And then, like you mentioned, all the change and and everything that happened, like, behind the scenes, I think that messed with their morale for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and also, Pat Bev, uh, he got P-started. Uh, and his mm. defense, you know, is pesty. It's annoying. It's in your face. It's under your skin. Uh, and you could see that in game two, but the the clutch shot at the end, it was really what sealed the, the win for the Suns. But you could tell that Pat Bev was having effect on um, the Suns, especially Booker. Mm-hmm. He, he was all up in his face. You know, that's how he got the broken nose, his big old head <laughs> going right into Devin Booker's face. He broke his nose in three places. And it's so funny because right after the play happened, he was like, he but he had butted me. Like, sir, you could clearly see that yeah. you leaned into that man and you broke his nose. <laughs> like, you are literally insane. Um, but, yeah, that's just how he plays. And he, he really has made a difference because – Usually you see Pat Bev in this kind of like secondary role, but to see him come out in the starting lineup and, and come out hot and heavy and fast is like really different. I feel like for him, especially in, in um, with the Clippers, with, with who the Clippers have now. So mm-hmm. um, we definitely have seen through this series, like each team's strengths and weaknesses and, and what it looks like to, to adjust to those things. And, um Chris Paul you know he he owned up he said he shot terrible like you said 5 of 19 Booker also shot terrible 5 of 21 1 of 7 mm-hmm. from the three point line which is like what Ew. like yeah. <laughs> Devin Booker lives at the three point line you know what I'm saying so it was definitely weird to see him like that he was in foul trouble also so he kind of sat uh for a while and then Crowder fouled out uh with like a little bit over 4 minutes left so they they their defense is um We've spoken about this before that their defense could be a little choppy mm-hmm. and it could affect how how the game runs out and they definitely have to take that into consideration because when you're going into clutch moments or last minute shots, like you can't just be like pushing players and getting you know, getting in arguments with the refs and like, you know, that throws off like you said, the morale for, for their team. So um, yeah. It's going to be interesting. I feel like it's going to go long. I feel like we may go to like a game six or game seven at this point. I'm thinking game seven because both the teams have that grittiness and they're both looking for like their first championship, right? So I think they're not Mm going to go down without a fight. I feel in the end, the Clippers have more to lose than the Suns. So even if they're down the series, they have to struggle. They have to make it to as far as they can go and I feel like it's gonna go to a game seven and it's gonna come down to like the last quarter because both of these teams really want it and they both have made have shown that they are able to adjust they can win they can be confident and so I feel like it's gonna come either down to a mistake it's gonna come down to the wrong play a call something because these two teams are just so great for it to just go so bad (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and we are really in the thick of it now. So and, and these games have been on both sides uh, mm-hmm. and on the east and on the west. They have come down to the wire. Like it's like you're sitting there and it's like your heart's about to explode. Cause yeah. you're like, I have no I Anything could happen. Like anything could happen. Um, I 
just because the Suns beat the Lakers and that really hurt for me, <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, the pressure is on them to win the whole thing since That's they just true. wanted to kick out the defending champions in such an embarrassing way. Um, uh, so I hope that uh, Chris Paul really does adjust. We've seen it before that he has, you know, been out of the lineup, come back in, been a little off, messed up the flow, and then they kind of recalibrate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just... I really don't know if the Clippers could get it done without Kawhi. I just, I don't, I don't know. That doubt is like really been lingering with me. I was going to say that too. I was like, it, it, it's all circumstantial. Like, will Kawhi return? Because we don't even know. They're saying it's a sprained um, knee. Uh, there was other rumors going on. Like, it could have been something else. So mm-hmm. we're like, we're unsure with his return. Will Booker feel better with the mask and his nose? Will he not? Will Paul George continue to do good or not? Like, will Chris Paul continue to affect um, the Suns lineup? You know, it's just so many things that could happen. So I'm like, for me to be confident and be like, yeah, the Suns have it in Game Six. I don't. Th- it's not like that. <laughs> just because yeah, there's so yeah. much and and credit to them because they're really good teams. They're really good teams. But I mean. Chris Paul wants that championship. I'm sure he can taste it almost. So yeah. it's gonna be. <laughs> if I feel like I'm like, well, we have to take it out of the lineup. He'll he'll get out. Like he'll he'll adjust to the team and for everything. But I feel like it's just maybe like he was a little bit rusty because they have been playing well with him. So I think yeah. it's just a little bit of rust. It's gonna come back, but it's gonna come down to the Clippers. Will they be able to hold off the Suns without Kawhi? That's a good point. Yeah. I- Totally agree. All right, guys. Well, I think uh, that's all we have for today. But we're going to have, obviously, plenty more to talk about as this postseason uh, goes along. So thank mm-hmm. you guys for sticking with us. Make sure you turn into our next episode. Again, I'm Bronna Marks. And I'm with Leslie Torres. And we got- we'll see you guys next time. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.